Good day and welcome to our Thursday stories. We continue apace into the 20th century and a glimpse at perhaps one of the greatest Christian thinkers of our age, Clive Staples Lewis. Let's look together at how and why he started his own Christian journey and the relevancy of Jesus Christ to his life. It may not be what you have heard it said to be. C.S. Lewis, Clive Staples Lewis, was born in Northern Ireland in the year 1898. If he ever had any Christian faith at all during his childhood, he soon lost it, and he was an avowed atheist during those formative years. The story we tell here is from his autobiographical book, Surprised by Joy, which tells and reveals his journey of and to faith. He relates of his search for God, and then eventually he discovered that in actual fact, God was reaching out for him through human reason, human experience, and intellectual honesty. And because of this, the only possible conclusion that Lewis came up with is the existence of a God or gods. So let's hear what he says about atheism. As a schoolboy, I had destroyed my religious life by a vicious subjectivism which made realizations the aim of prayer, turning away from God to seek states of mind and trying to produce those states of my maestry. He continues on in the book, in the chapter Checkmate. Really, a young atheist cannot guard his faith too carefully. Dangers lie in wait for him on every side. You must not do, you must not even try to do, the will of the Father unless you are prepared to know of the doctrine. All my acts, desires and thoughts were to be brought into harmony with universal spirit. For the first time I examined myself with a, a seriously practical purpose. And there I found what appalled me, a zoo of lusts, a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, a harem of fondled hatreds. My name was Legion. He continues on. If Shakespeare and Hamlet could ever meet, it must be Shakespeare's doing. Hamlet could do nothing. Amiable agnostics will talk cheerfully about man's search for God. To me, as I then was, they might as well have talked about the mouse's search for the cat. This reveals that God was pursuing Lewis, and it was all on the initiative of God. Let's now go on to look at Lewis's view on theism. Again, from that little book. Doubtless, by definition, God must be reason itself. But would he also be reasonable in that other, more comfortable sense? Not the slightest assurance was offered me. Total surrender. The absolute leap in the dark were demanded. Now this demand was simply, all you must picture me alone in my room at Magdalen, Night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. 
that which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. And in the Trinity term of 1929, I gave in, and I admitted that God was God, and knelt and prayed. Perhaps that night the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England. The hardness of God is kinder than the softness of men, and his compulsion is our liberation. I have heard many writers and speakers conclude that this was Lewis's conversion to Christianity. But it is not. It was his conversion from atheism to theism. And this is clearly evident when on the very next line, in the very next chapter, Lewis writes this. It must be understood that the conversion recorded in the last chapter was only a conversion to theism, pure and simple, not to Christianity. The God to whom I surrendered was sheerly non-human. My conversion involved as yet no belief in a future life. I now number it among my great mercies that I was permitted for several months, perhaps for a year, to know God and to attempt obedience without even raising the question. As soon as I became a theist, I started attending my parish church on Sundays and my college chapel on weekdays. Not because I believed in Christianity, nor because I thought the difference between it and simple theism a small one, but because I thought one ought to fly one's flag by some unmistakable overt sign. I was acting in obedience to a sense of honour. Thus my church-going was a merely symbolical and provisional practice. If it in fact helped to move me in the Christian direction, I was and am unaware of this. Then ultimately we come to C.S. Lewis's conversion from theism to Christianity. I was by now too experienced in literary criticism to regard the Gospels as myths. They had not the mythical taste. As I drew near the conclusion, I felt a resistance almost as strong, but shorter-lived, for I understood it better. Every step I had taken, from the absolute to spirit and from spirit to God, had been a step towards the more concrete, the more imminent, the more compulsive. At each step one had less chance to call one's souls one own. To accept the incarnation was a further step in the same direction. It brings God nearer, or in a new way. And this, I found, was something I had not wanted. I know very well when, but hardly how, the final step was taken. I was driven to Whipsnade Zoo one sunny morning. When we set out, I did not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when we reached the zoo, I did. Yet I had not exactly spent the journey in thought, nor in great emotion. In this story, C.S. Lewis has moved from atheism to theism to Christianity each a natural stage in the development of his faith and his Christian journey. We get a glimpse of a great God calling people to see himself 
as he truly is, a God of unmistakable joy. That was his story. But what is your story? Are you yet a Christian? If you're not, then you need to turn to Christ right now. There are details on this website, www.partakers.co.uk. Let us know if you have made that decision. Thanks for joining us on Partakers today. Come back every day to www.partakers.co.uk where there is something uploaded to help you as a Christian disciple in the 21st century. See you later.